thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We are continuing this series that we called, as I've already said, Christmas at Faith. But we're going to be in the book of Luke again, but we're going to be looking at chapter 2 today. And this is kind of the anchoring passage of Scripture when it comes to Christmas because it's the birth of Jesus. And how many know there would be no Christmas without any Christ being born? And so that's what really this whole season is about. And I'm excited what God wants to do today because hopefully you're going to learn some stuff you never knew before. Hopefully you're going to be challenged in a way you've never been challenged before. But hopefully you're going to leave here with a great sense of God's love for you because Christmas can become kind of rote. It's just kind of what happens every year. It's what we do every year. And though tradition is wonderful, tradition is not wonderful when we forget the meaning of why we're doing something. And so that's why we need to take a moment through Christmas and kind of pause for a little bit and say, wait a minute, God, what are you saying? What is this Christmas season all about? And I've been looking forward to this passage as, we, as we've been walking through this month of month of December together. And so no matter where you are, no matter if you follow Jesus for 40 years and, and you've memorized the Bible twice and, and, and you know it in Greek and Hebrew, it doesn't matter. Or you, or you don't know God today. And you're here today and you're thinking, I don't know why I'm here. Or maybe you've known God just for a little bit and you're trying to figure out what is this journey of faith really all about. The, the meaning and the purpose of Christmas has something to say to all of us because there's always more for us when it comes to knowing God. There's always more of God we can know. There's always deeper understanding of him that we can go. There's always a greater sense of his love for us that we can experience. And that's what Christmas is all about. And so when we remember the reality of God becoming flesh in the form of a baby named Jesus, it should excite us and rock our world every season. And so that's what all of this is about. The fact is, now I know there are some people with Christmas, oh, it's not in December. Yeah, I know, we get that. It's not December, and it's not this, and wasn't it, you know, there wasn't a Christmas tree at the birth of Jesus. I get that. I know that. The date is not important. What matters is this. The king of the universe has been born this night that we're talking about today, and he came to change your life forever. So we're going to be reading in Luke chapter 2. Man, you, I like that. It made me feel good about clapping. That was good stuff, man. That excites me. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be reading the amazing account of the birth of Jesus. Remember Luke, the, an apostle who wrote this book. He, he did interviews after the fact. That's why we have the book today. God breathed his word through Luke and he penned the words. We have it today. And we get to read of the account of what happened that amazing night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So let's begin to read out of Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken Of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So they took off and went to their town to register. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David. So they didn't live there. That's not where they were, but this is where, this is where Joseph was from. He needed to take his family there to register them in the census because he belonged to the house of the line of David, which is important. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Remember, this whole account is because of Luke was interviewing everyone in the process and wrote all this down. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. In other words, freaked out is what they were. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, so just, just, just as at like, like that wasn't enough to freak them out, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying this, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Uh, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in a manger. This is an amazing passage here. When When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds, at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured, I want you to hear this for a moment. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. So pondered what things? Everything that we're talking about here. Remember Luke's writing this. He's interviewing Mary. She pondered all these things in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And this is the amazing passage that we have of the birth of Jesus. And so we've all heard Christian sermon, or Christmas sermons before. We've all heard stories of all of There's a lot in this passage. I just want to really talk about two of them today and break it down into two different areas. But I, I want to talk about the reality is this. Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. She processed them. She thought through them. She thought, okay, what, what is everything? Everything is colliding in this little town called Bethlehem, and she has a front row seat to see it all happening. And so Luke is interviewing her, and he's, he's getting kind of what she was feeling, what she was sensing, and she said, I, I, was, I, I was pondering all of this in my heart, and something was going on. And so she, what ponder means this, to think through detail by detail over and over and over again. She was amazed at what had happened. And so I want to look at three journeys that happened in this first, in this kind of the section here. There are three journeys. I don't want to talk about what God's saying to us today. But three miraculous journeys that happened out of Luke chapter 2. And the first one that Mary was pondering was this. The journey of Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And you might think that's not that big of a deal, Jason. They just got on, a, got on a donkey and just kind of rode on up to Bethlehem. That's actually a big deal because... Bethlehem was around 80 miles away from where they lived. So here's this young girl, first child, first baby being born. And uh, they, Joseph says, hey, sweetheart, let's go on a little, let's go on an 80-mile horseback ride. What do you think, sweetheart? I mean, they had to be thinking, like, uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I mean, that's a long way. We're just, we just, you know, can't get in a car and, and just get there in an hour and a half. It's a journey. Are we going to have this baby on the side of the road? What's, what's going on here? And so 
Joseph is concerned. Mary is concerned. But they had to go to Bethlehem because of the census because they had to do it. They had no choice. But actually, God knew exactly what he was doing. They, they knew that, that Mary was going to give birth at any moment. And so Emperor or Caesar Augustus had set this decree out. And he thought he was making a decision to get people registered and taking the senses. But actually, his, this decision was all in the hand of God. God was making this decision for Caesar Augustus. This was about getting Mary and Joseph up to Bethlehem when the birth of this child was to be born. When Jesus was going to be born, this really mattered. Because there had, there had been a scripture from a prophet 700 years earlier, which is remarkable, that... This Messiah that's going to come to the earth to be the king of the Jews is going to be born where? Micah 5, 2. But you, says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. And so the, God kind of tweaks the king's heart and says, don't you want to do a census? And he said, yes, I do want to do a census. Let's do it now, which makes Joseph and Mary go 80 miles up to Bethlehem. And it seems as though they get there just in time because we know what happens next. So here's Caesar Augustus thinking he's making this decision. This should give us great courage today. That if the scripture says that the heart of the king is in the hand of God, no matter what decision is made that seems inconvenient to us, that seems frustrating to us, this is what we do know because of scripture. God will use it to accomplish his purpose and his will on the planet. Amen to that. That's what, really, that, that's what matters. And it's true. And so God was doing the same thing with, with Caesar Augustus. So Joseph and Mary arrive in Bethlehem only to find that every hotel they check says no vacancy. No matter what they do, they said, I'm sorry, there's no place for you here. Now the Bible doesn't tell us exactly the structure that Jesus was born in. But what, what we do know that he was born in a manger. And a manger is, is a, a, a feeding trough for animals is what it means. And so here we do know this, that Mary and Joseph... We're at a place where a manger was and there were animals there. And so that's what we, that's what we know. And so therefore, we, that's why we think it was a nativity scene. And the, the, the traditional nativity scene that we have with the wooden structure, probably that isn't where Jesus was born in a wooden structure. Don't mean to pop your bubble. We still have it and I'm still going to sport it and rock a wooden nativity scene. But... More than likely, Jesus was born in a, in a little cave. There wasn't a lot of wood around for them to build stuff. So he was born in a cave, kind of tucked away in, in, a, in a hillside, maybe outside of Bethlehem or right on the edge. Or it was still in Bethlehem no matter what. And so that's where they gave birth. There were animals there. And so here's what's really neat. If you ever get the chance to visit Bethlehem, which we're going next year to Israel. And so you can get information of that at the, at the info counter. We're going to go and by God's Grace, we're going to be able to go to the, the church of the, of the nativity. You go down below, and there's like a little cave tucked away. So what they've done is they've traditionally said this is the site where Jesus was born. They built a church on it, and you got to walk down this little musty dungeon area, and you get to see it. And it's actually really cool to understand that this is probably what it looked like when Jesus was born. And so there he is born in a manger. 
But this is the miraculous journey is that Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem. All these things are converging on this birth of a son named Jesus in this place called Bethlehem. But here's the other miraculous journey happening this night. And that is Jesus' journey. And that's the journey from heaven to earth. This is a miraculous journey. And what's also incredible about this journey is the manner in which Jesus arrives on the earth. He arrives quietly. We don't read in Scripture where there is a big parade through the streets of Bethlehem. Hey, Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. Only a few people know. And the God of the universe who rules and reigns. What we know in Scripture that all things, all creation were created through Jesus and for him, through as God and him were in partnership and leading together. So here's this whole idea. Jesus comes into the earth and it's relatively quiet. This is significant. It's, it's totally different than how he's going to come the first time. First time he came as a suffering servant, a babe in a manger. Second time he returns, he's going to be the reigning king on a white horse with a, with a sword in his mouth. That's going to be a good day. And everybody's going to know. An archangel's going to blow a trumpet. And every person on the planet's going to stand at attention and be like, this is the coming king. But the first time, it was quiet. And there's a reason for that. And we'll talk about it in just a moment. In a quiet, starlit night, as the stars shined above Bethlehem, Mary simply gave birth to a little baby. And that infant cry that kind of broke the silence of the night was the first time in history that God spoke through human lips. It was the first time. And it was a cry. So this journey from, for Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, this journey from Jesus from heaven to earth, still an amazing thing. It is at the moment when Jesus was born that the God of the universe became flesh. But he was born in a very humble way. And actually, 2 Corinthians 8 speaks of what we call the incarnation, God becoming flesh. It says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The reason Jesus was born in such a poor, humble circumstance wasn't about him. It was about you. It was about your life. It was about him taking on where you were so that we could take on where he was. That's what it's about. So why was it? Here, here's what's remarkable. And this is so cool. When you begin to look into this, about just, just about a mile from where Bethlehem is, King Herod had built this amazing palace. It, it had these polished marble steps and these columns and it was lit up with, with lights and torches and, and it just it, it shined in the middle of the night. Why, why wouldn't have Jesus have been born there? That seems like a perfect spot for Jesus to be born. Did God really know what he was doing? Was it a mistake for the Messiah to be born in, in, in such humble surroundings in a stable somewhere? Shouldn't there have been, shouldn't he have been born in that palace? Shouldn't there have been the finest of physicians to, to welcome the God and the king of the universe, God becoming flesh? Did God really, did he plan this thing out? Yes, he absolutely did. He was saying something that night. 
And I'm gonna, I want to read to you a, a pastor out of California. His name is Ray Stedman. He wrote this in one of his books. He says, now you would think that if God so rules the world as to use an empire-wide senses to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, he surely could have seen to it that a room was available at an inn somewhere. Yes, he could have. And Jesus could have been born in a wealthy family. He could have turned, Jesus also could have turned stone into bread when he was in the wilderness. He could have called 10,000 angels to his aid as he was being crucified in Gethsemane or on Calvary. He could have come down with, from the cross and saved himself. The question is not what God could do, but what, but what God willed to do. God's will was that though Christ was yet rich, he became poor for our sake. The no vacancy signs over the motels in Bethlehem were for your sake. For your sake he became poor. God rules all things, even motel capacities. For the sake of his children, the Calvary Road begins with a no vacancy sign in Bethlehem and ends with the spitting and scoffing and the cross in Jerusalem. So quietly, without fanfare, God slips into the world as a little baby. There was another amazing journey that happened that night, and that was the shepherds. The shepherds that, that went from the fields to the manger. Now I want you to picture just little precious Mary for a moment. She's exhausted from the trip from Nazareth up to Bethlehem. She's ridden an animal up there. She's tired She's weary. She's just given birth to this child. And they're too excited to go to sleep. She's holding this baby in her arms thinking, is this the one the angel spoke to me about? Is this the one that I was told that the government shall be on his shoulders? And all of a sudden, in the middle of their little quiet, tucked away kind of farm animal petting zoo, to some, some, some shepherds show up. Like, where did you come from? They just walk in. Hey, um... Hi, I'm Shepherd Man. They showed up. And they think, well, hello? Well, c come on in. And they have to say, look, look, it's just like the angel said. It's a babe in a, in a feeding trough, which was unusual. It's a babe wrapped in small cloths, which is unusual. And actually, there's a whole other sermon about that that would totally just, just blow your mind. But here's the reality. They knew that this was the baby that the angel had spoken to them about. Then here they are. And I wonder if Mary, after the, she gave birth, started to think, you know what? This was supposed to be the Messiah. She didn't know how this baby was going to come into the, into the world. This is supposed to be the Messiah. This is the one the angel appeared to me and said, don't worry, Mary. By, you know, with, with God, all things are possible. And you're right, Mary. I'm gonna, you know, the Spirit's going to come upon you. She's thinking, oh, my gosh. And so she, now when she gives birth to this promised Messiah, she's tucked away in a barn somewhere. She had to be thinking, did I hear him right? Is this what God wanted to do to bring this Messiah into the world? Did she have any doubts? I don't know. But what I do know is when the shepherds showed up, it kind of put to rest any of those doubts. The shepherds showed, showed up and began to tell Mary about the angel, about the whole army of angels that appeared in the sky. And they, one of them was talking about, man, I was so freaked out, I was started to run. But they said, don't, don't be afraid. So I, I wasn't. And when they said, don't be afraid, it was like peace came over my soul because I was about to head for the cliff. 
And he told the story. And the journey of these shepherds about, I don't know, maybe a couple miles, maybe a mile. I don't know, from the, from the fields of Bethlehem to the manger in Bethlehem. And they were rejoicing and they were celebrating. And Mary tucked all these things away in her heart. But here's what we do know. All of these roads and journeys were pointing to the birth of a baby named Jesus. God's message to you and to me today. God's message right where you and I are. It still speaks today and it still wants to transform you and change you. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That isn't about you just just getting into the kingdom. This is about sustaining you in your journey in the midst of the kingdom. The gospel of Jesus. And what is God's message to us? God delivered a message through this angel and through these angels this night. And it began with these shepherds. Now, here's what's amazing with the shepherds. They were known as the lowliest of the low, actually, back in those days. Actually, many of them were mistrusted. They, they were not trusted because they were nomadic and they roamed around. And, and so they, they were, they thought, some of them thought they were thieves or, or sometimes sheep would get mixed up and they would be accused of, of being thieves. But they were also, they were not allowed to give testimony in a Jewish court or law. It made it very difficult because of their nomadic lifestyle to actually observe the Jewish ceremonies and the, and the temple rituals. So they were considered sometimes religiously kind of outcast and unacceptable. And it's pretty amazing to think that God shares this announcement with shepherds. He could have done it at King Herod up the road. He could have done it at some official. He could have done it to someone who was important in the city. But he goes to the working class, the shepherds in a field, and gives them and trusts them with this message. Now, here's another amazing thought. Some people believe that these shepherds actually could have been the shepherds that were possibly the ones who raised the sheep to provide the sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem, which is about five miles away. And so at the temple, an unblemished lamb was slain every morning and every evening as an offering to the Lord. Now, the angel was about to tell these shepherds that the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world and the, and the Lamb of God that he was going to be the last lamb that would ever need to be sacrificed, he was being born that night. And they got a front row seat to it. This is amazing. And he's saying to these shepherds, I entrust you simple people with the message of the gospel. And I want you to go. And I'm saying something to you tonight. And this is the first thing the angel says to the shepherds is this. I never want you to be afraid. I talked a little bit about this last week. But this is what God's saying to you today. I never want you to be afraid. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to come and to set up camp in your heart. That no matter what you're facing, you can have peace in the midst of your deepest, darkest, most crazy storm of your life. You can have peace in the midst of it. The first thing the angel said, do not be afraid. And imagine this. They've never heard. They're used to spending quiet evenings on the landscape of the Bethlehem hillside. Staring at the stars, just chilling. Listening to a, a, a lamb kind of make a noise every once in a while. They are not used to a host of angels showing up in the sky. Everything changes for them. It shocked them. 
And the angel says, do not be afraid. This message of the gospel is shocking. It's shocking that God would leave his throne. It's shocking that he would come to this earth. It's shocking that he would, he would put flesh on God and we could have a relationship. That's totally shocking. But he says, do not be afraid. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through. And I, I've been, I, I can imagine in the middle of the night, in a quiet night, this loud noise breaking through the silence and being freaked out. I, I was, I, my dad and I, and actually all my brothers, we used to go raccoon hunting, and, and I think I've told the story before, but anyway, we had dogs, and we'd, we'd run the dogs. We lived in the middle of, like, nowhere, and so you could let the dogs run, and so they would, we were standing in the middle of a dark forest, dark woods, and many times, if you were listening for the dog, because the dog had to, he, his bark was different when it trailed, and his bark was different when it treed. So when it treed, you knew I could start walking towards that sound. But when it was on the trail, you thought, let's just wait here and figure out where these dogs want to go. And so we were standing there in the middle of the dark, pitch black woods. I'm telling you, have, if you've ever been in the middle of the woods, like in the middle of the night, with, and, and you turn your light off, it's freaky. It's just totally freaky. You hear everything. You think Big, Bigfoot's going to snatch my head at any moment. I know he is. So we were standing there, and so you turn your light off because it opens your senses. You can actually, you can hear better when you turn your light off. I don't know why it works, but you do. You turn your light off, and all of a sudden you can hear. So we were listening to these dogs, and in the middle of the woods, all of a sudden, it's like a, an alien, a UFO was landing on top of our heads. And I'm thinking, what in the world? And all of a sudden you hear this tree that is crashing down. Leaves are, are like flying all over the place. I can't, you can't see a thing. You hear limbs snapping. And all of a sudden, you know a dead tree is falling. And where do you run? What do you do? So we stood there. So if I go this way, I'm going to probably run into the tree. If I go this way, I don't know, maybe it's back there. So you, can't, you cannot figure out. And this huge tree comes crashing down. And boom, really close to us just right over here. And I remember thinking, I'm freaked out. Dad, help me. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, a loud noise that you're not used to hearing will freak you out. And here's the deal. Fear, we have every opportunity, every day of our lives to be afraid. But because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, fear has no place in the life of a believer. It doesn't. It doesn't mean we're not going to struggle with it. But what we do know is it's the, the gospel of Jesus Christ helps us overcome fear. And fear is one of the biggest problems that we face because it limits us from being everything that God has called us to be. But I want you to hear this promise that the angel would declare, and God would speak over you today as well, out of Isaiah. It says this, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is passing good news onto these shepherds and onto you today. Do not be afraid. No, whatever, no matter what happens to you, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to abandon you. No matter what the doctor says, I want you to know that you can have peace in the scariest moment of your life. In the midst of your storm, in the midst of your, your poverty, in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of being mistreated, in the midst of change that you, that you didn't see coming, God will never leave you nor forsake you, and you do not need to be afraid. Amen to that. Everyone say amen to that. That's the real deal. Another message that God is telling us this, this 
Bethlehem night is number two. He's saying this, I have become like you so you can know me. I've become like you so that you can know me. God says this to the angel. Today, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I'm so glad. And notice what the angel says to the shepherds. A Savior has been born to who? To you. It's been born to you. Thank God he didn't say, a Savior has been, been born to Mary. Well, good for Mary. What about me? God said a Savior has been born to you. This means that God was born. Jesus was born for every single one of us to have a personal relationship with him, to know him better, to draw closer to him. This isn't about your mom knowing God. This isn't about your dad knows God. This isn't about you got a grandpappy who was a, who was a preacher back in the day. That means nothing. What matters is that you know God. That you have a closer relationship with God. It doesn't matter if your husband knows God or if your wife knows God. This is about you knowing God. And this is a question God asked me many, many years ago when I was about 17 years old. I grew up in a Christian home and I remember the day, I remember the moment that God asked me the question, Jason, who do you say that I am? Not who your parents say I am, not who your, who your family say, not who the church, who do you say that I am? And this is what God was saying this Christmas night. I've come to know you and to save you. Jesus is our Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. And God invaded the planet Earth in a fragile little baby form. He became everything that we are so that we could become everything that he is. John writes this in 114. He says, the word, meaning God, this is speaking of this night that we're reading about. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Though this is about attitude, he then goes on to explain what Jesus actually did. Who being in the very nature God. Did not consider equality with God. In other words, he was God, but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being born in a manger. No, no fanfare. Nobody celebrated his arrival. He came in a stable, that quiet Bethlehem night. And he was born God in human likeness. This is the reality of Christmas. God did all of this so that you can know him personally. Not so that you can belong to a church, though that's important. So, not so that you can, can be religious. Not the, so that you can have, have traditions. He came this night for one thing, and that is to engage your heart with his heart. For you to grow in your relationship with him. For you to know that there's always more of God for you to possess. Don't sell yourself short and think, I'm saved, I'm good, that's all that matters. You are going to miss out on the life that deep down inside you actually really want. A.W. Tozer writes this. He says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. 
If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us a um, economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Amen to that. Thank God for that. God has come to be with us in the person of Jesus so that we can know him. The third thing that God was saying this night that Jesus was born, he's saying this, I'm giving you an invitation, every single one of you in this room and in the world, an invitation to receive my gift. To receive my gift, which was Jesus. The angel invited the shepherds to travel into Bethlehem to investigate and confirm this message. He said that they would recognize that it was the Savior, that, that he was the Messiah, that he was the king because he would be in a feeding trough. And that's what they found. Notice God didn't command them to go. After they had heard the news, they said, let's go. Let's figure this out. The shepherd in verse 15 says this, let's go into Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened that the angel just told us about, which the Lord has told us. So they said, man, we got to figure this out. There's something cool happening in Bethlehem, and we know about it, so we should probably go and figure it out. So they heard God's invitation. By their own choice, they accepted his invitation. They traveled into the town to find the baby. And I, I, I can imagine them hurrying into town and beginning, hey, do, hey did, you, did you see the angels that appeared and said there's the, 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 to fear not and we should come and find the baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling, swaddled cloths? And should, did you, they're thinking, everyone else is like, no, I, I didn't hear that. No one told me that. And so they just start looking around. And finally they arrive at the location. There's Mary and Joseph and these humble shepherds and this little baby boy, just as the angel has said. And not only did they just stand from a distance, they walked in and they began to engage with Jesus, God wrapped in flesh. I wonder what happened after they told Mary and Joseph their stories. Many people have dramatized the Christmas story and try to fill in the, the blanks along the way, which is kind of fun because it helps you to think from that perspective. Maybe this could have happened, but I read was... Perhaps Mary, like the new mothers, when someone comes to the, to the hospital and they say, would you like to hold the baby? Can you see one of those rough-handed, common folks smelling like sheep pick up baby Jesus, the God of the universe, holding him into his arms? And this shepherd who would daily handle the spotless lambs to be sacrificed for the temple was now holding the spotless lamb of God. I don't know if Mary invited them to do that, but this is what I do know. If you don't know Jesus, he's inviting you to do that right now. He's inviting you to receive the gift like the shepherds, you've heard the good news. There's an invitation out to you. For all of us in this room, how will we respond this Christmas season? Will we just go through it like normal and not really encounter God or know him in a deeper way? Or, or will we actually 
understand the babe and the manger. What God's really saying to you. We all actually have an invitation. He, he invites us all to be in his presence. And the fourth thing that God is saying through the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 is this. He's saying this, go tell others what has happened to you. In other words, let what God has done in your life be what your life is all about. So these shepherds traveled to a little town. They met Jesus. And they were so excited that in verse 17 it says this. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. In other words, they came one way, but they left another way. And they, became to, they, they started to declare what they had seen. That means they were the first evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ ever on record. These simple shepherds, they begin to go and tell everybody what happened. Filled with joy, skipping along, sharing the good news, and everyone they encountered. And so when they told it to them, when they said the angels appeared, I went and saw the baby. I was there. Something was different about them. I can't believe it. This is what's happened. The response of those that they told was in verse 18. It says this, and all who heard it were amazed. They were blown away by these shepherds and their story. You see, once you meet Jesus, you can't stay the same. You can't stay the same. Being a Christian does not mean coming to church. I heard someone say one time, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian no more than a pink ribbon on a pig makes it a poodle. I had to remember all that. As I got in the middle of it, I thought, I don't think I'm going to remember this thing. Anyway, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Being a Christian means Jesus has come into your life. He has changed you. You, you were one way, but now you are another way. You were in the kingdom of darkness, but now you are in the kingdom of light. And that looks like something in your life. It's a part of who you are. You are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you will share it, and you, it is a part of who you are. You're not obnoxious and rude about it, but you just, it, it is just a part of your life that you can share why it is that you have hope within you. This is what happened to the shepherds. And so all of us today, have we met Jesus? And I would say many of us in this room have. Some of you have not. But has it really changed your life? Has it really changed your life? Has the message of Jesus become something that's the theme of your life? I know this. The people around you want to hear it. I remember a friend of mine in college. He was standing in my kitchen. And uh, we had a, an apartment on, on the college campus. And he, he was, we were in Bible college together. And he, he, had, he had been through a lot of stuff. But he had he'd gotten saved. And he was standing in my, in my kitchen, and he was telling me, he goes, Jason, he goes, after I got saved, I started thinking about the people in my life who were Christians. And he said, and I realized none of them ever told me about Jesus. No one ever invited me to church. No one ever invited me to Christmas Eve, Easter. They, I, I just, I, they were, I knew they went to church, but they never said no, they said nothing to me about Jesus. And I, I'll never forget, man, he had these big tears running down his face. 
And he said, if only they would have told me sooner. And what he was referring to is he had, he had made a lot of mistakes in his life. And, and right before he got saved, he had, he had paid for his girlfriend to get an abortion. And that was, that was weighing on his conscience. And, and, and he, was, he was so broken. And so everyone in his life, guess who they heard about? They heard about Jesus. Because people want to know about this hope that you carry. This isn't a secret that you have. This isn't just yours to keep. It's for the world and for us to tell them about it. It's for us to, to pray about God. I know that you're gonna, I, I know that someone's gonna have an opportunity to receive Christ. I'm gonna bring my friends. I'm gonna bring, and people say, well, you know, no, church shouldn't be about just getting people saved. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But church should be about fulfilling the great commission that Jesus Christ actually laid out. To go in all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. We all are on a journey getting to know God better. And part of that journey is learning to share our faith or invite someone to the church in which we go to. The world needs a message of hope. Because the world is desperate. The world is absolutely desperate for hope. And without Jesus, there is no hope for them. I read a story about a Russian missionary, and it was Christmas time, and this missionary was working in an orphanage, and I, I just, I love this story. I read the story this morning before I came, and it just moved me. I tried to read it so I wouldn't cry when I read it, so if I cry, I'm sorry. But anyway, this is just the Russian missionary. And so he was telling the story about Jesus and the birth of Jesus. And he, and he said that everyone was amazed. All the kids' eyes were just, they were lit up. And none of the kids had ever heard the story ever before. None of the staff of the orphanage, the Russian staff, had heard of the message of Jesus being born ever before. So he says this, and I want you to hear this. We gave the children some material and instructed them to create a manger scene that they had just heard about. So it was an interactive lesson. And all went well until I got to one table and there was little Misha. He sat and he looked about six years old and he had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled <laughs> to see not one, but two babies in the manger. So I called for a translator to ask about why, why he had done that. And looking at his completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story very accurately. Until it came to the part where Mary put baby Jesus in the manger. Then Misha started to ad-lib his own ending story of the manger scene. And he said, and when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to live. And I told him, I have no mama and I have no papa. So I don't have any place to stay then Jesus told me I could stay with him so I got into the manger and then Jesus looked at me and he told me I could stay with him forever then Misha put his hands over his face and he dropped his head and laid it on the table and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. For the first time in his life, he had found someone who would never abandon him, never abuse him, and someone who would stay with him. 
forever. My friends, this message of Jesus being born on a night in Bethlehem, it's more than a children's story. It's a loving Father who is extending His arms to you into every area of your life. Every area of brokenness, every area of disappointment, every area that you feel like you've been abandoned, you, every area you feel like things just haven't measured up and you've just fallen short. Every area where you feel pain, every area where you're so ashamed of your past. This Christmas story speaks to you and speaks to me. It's an invitation by God himself, that no matter where you are today in this room, no matter how long you have known God, he says this to you, and I want you to hear it. He says this, come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened or have burdens in your life, because I will give you rest. This is the message of Christmas to you and to me. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.